0: Hey guys, so we are on episode three of Nerdspresso, and we are just getting started on the fun train, and I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. Um, My guest is Chelsea Steverson, and she is best known as the Little Red Dot, and she is a wonderful, wonderful human that I am so happy that I got to sit down and talk to um, we, I found out that we are so similar in a lot of ways. We have a lot of the same likes and dislikes, and so that made it really fun to get to know her over the course of this episode. And it's just, it's a high energy episode. You're, I, I hope you're ready for it because we, we just jump back and forth from topic to topic and we talk about a lot of fun and interesting things we talk about how she came about getting the the moniker little red dot and we talk about our love of theater and what the struggles we find in our lives as actors but also we talk about our thoughts on method acting and we kind of get into the ridiculous body standards that hollywood has for for um for the males in our society and we just kind of talk about a lot of different things and I'm so excited to share this with you. So grab your cup of coffee because you're going to need some energy because we just zoom all about and I hope you're ready for it because this is this has been one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far. It's super fun. So sit back, relax, drink your drink of choice and let's have some fun. This episode is sponsored by Smuggler's Coffee. Smuggler's believes in drinking local. That's why they find barrels from some of the best breweries in their area. Barrel aging adds the flavors that were trapped in the barrel to the beans without any trace of the alcohol. It's a unique bean that makes an amazing cup of coffee in the morning or that perfect after dinner dessert coffee if you're like me and you need a good cup of coffee after a big meal. They have fun and crazy artwork gracing their packaging with themes from D&D, Star Wars, music, and more. Whether you like sugar and cream in your coffee, a little Irish jig in your mug, or you like to drink your coffee as black as your soul, they have got the perfect cup of coffee for you. Head over to store.smugglerscoffee.com to find your perfect brew of coffee today. So we're relaxed and in our chairs with our coffee and all of the things. So how are you?
1: (laughs) I'm good. I I say, you know, I'm good. I'm busy. Good. Busy Busy is good. Busy is good. Exactly. But not too busy. I I think that depends on the week. It's yeah. I started out 2020 uh, pretty low-key, and then it's, like, really geared up pretty quickly, so, um,
0: but that's good. It is, but it's yeah. good, you yeah. know, it's like,
1: I, I'm the kind of person where, if I'm not busy,
0: Yeah. I'm miserable. I know, way too, and that's, like, <laughs> one of the, it's like, oh, I need a creative outlet, let's start a podcast, Yeah. Yep. okay, one, so why 2020. Why one more yeah. tape to your schedule. Right? yeah. So, it's not like I'm working 12 hours a day on a... Yep. production right now. Oh, That's don't name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, but, yeah, so, uh, I love how you mentioned Batwoman a little earlier, because we're sitting in my, in my little studio area, surrounded by all of the Surrounded Bat by Batwoman stuff, it's yes. fabulous. Batgirl, Batwoman, all of the things. Um, and you are here with your adorable flaming red hair. Yes. Which, <laughs> is that kind of where the nickname came from? So, actually, it's not. The okay. story
1: behind Little Red Dot is, um... Way more existential than that. Um, okay.
0: So, for, yes. for those who don't know, because we just kind of jumped into this, I'm sitting here with Chelsea <laughs> Stevenson. Yep. Little Red Dot. <laughs>
1: yep. Hey, uh, guys. Uh, As
0: we talk about your name and your nickname and all of that, I yes. guess it's important to introduce you. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, the Little Red Dot name actually came from, like, an existential crisis. So, after I got out of, I was in college, I was in college, and, um as all good art school students are wont to do, there Mm -hmm. were um, high levels of psychedelics involved. But uh, what I'll say is I was staring, I was at a friend's house and there was that giant map. We've all seen it of uh-huh. the like, Milky Way galaxy oh yeah and it's got that little dot and the air that points and it says you are here and I remember seeing oh it and having this full-on meltdown of understanding like my insignificance in the oh world oh my gosh and I was at this point in my life where I didn't know why I was making and creating I was going to be an actor but I wasn't really happy with the theater process and I couldn't yeah. figure out why um and so it was just in this like really torn up place and so I started um making a lot of different things I started doing mm-hmm. some performance art I started painting yeah. again and so I was doing all this digging and it really came from this existential crisis staring at a little red dot on the Milky Way galaxy oh my that gosh said, you are
0: here you are the little red dot. I am the
1: little we all are we all are a little red that's dot. and that's the that that's actually part of why I built my twitch channel and my discord community the way I did is that we're all dots it's this right. idea of like we're all these tiny dots but together oh we're gosh. so much more than
0: that yes
1: I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody asks, but then, of course, so, red is my favorite color. So yes. then you get the red
0: hair. Yes. I've always been a ginger. Um, not just, obviously, not naturally right. as vibrant. But I was yeah. about to say, for those who don't know, I have, like, ginger-ish mm-hmm. red hair, but you have like fire truck yeah. flame awesome red, red, red hair. hair. Yeah. That is about the color of your D&D coffee mug right Correct. now. Uh
1: most e- uh, it's extra, yes. I'm extra, <laughs> no, we're all
0: extra. So, if anyone if anyone knows me or for anyone new listening, they're going to learn I'm very extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I love and I feel like as I'm as I'm also going to get to know you over this episode. Mm-hmm. Um you're already talking about things that I I do a lot of that, too. Like, I'm a theater kid, mm-hmm. um, and I paint as I have this, like... Mm-hmm. I started a painting, and that's about as far as I got before I got distracted into something yep. else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which means you're so, artist at
0: heart. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have... I, like, I love art. Art is... Mm-hmm. Art is my life. And it's... I have this need to create at any... Like... Every day, yeah. and I was at a point where I had finished, I did Shrek the Musical last year okay. at a theater, loved it, it was amazing. That's great. And um, then was like, okay, I need something else. Yeah, what do I and do? And here we are, I started a podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but I'm getting ready to do Adam's Family. Oh, cool. So, I'm super pumped about that. I'm really excited to get back into the theater, like, more... Um, cause I too am an actor. Mm-hmm. That's why I went to school. Um, I'm a theater major.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, my first degree was in
0: theater. I mean, I was yep. a performing artist. Yeah. My parents told me that if I wanted to pursue acting seriously, I had to at least get two years done. And I did. So I have an associates in theater. Heck yeah. And then I was like, bye school. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean,
1: so I grew up in this really, really small town in Georgia, like T minus 5,000 in a single red light kind of a thing. And so, Same. yeah, but in Texas, but in Texas, okay, yeah. so I grew up in this little town, you know, Georgia is already, what, 49th in the country for, like, uh, per capita for arts funding, yeah. so then you, you, you just cut that down even more, the smaller yeah. town that you go to, meaning that they just don't have the resources to have proper arts, uh, which is really
0: ironic that it turned out to be one of the bigger places for film.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: that's
1: totally onto that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, and so when I kind of found it, you know, as most kids, we start in like choir. Yes. And then we do ch- we do a lot of church plays oh, in the yes. south. Um, yes. and that's how a lot of church choir tour- church choir, you know, you mm-hmm. do you do the pageant uh, show yes. on, on Easter and so that's actually how I found mm-hmm. art. Um mm-hmm. even though I, I would not uh declare myself a religious dot, uh yeah. I, I do uh yes. I, I do look at that as a time where that was really the only way that I was getting the art. And mm-hmm. so so by the time I turned 18, it's a bit of a hellraiser. Um, by the time I turned 18, I was like, I have to get out of this town. And I was actually going to be an engineer, I was going to design car engines. Wow. Um, long before, so I was going to go to Georgia Tech and I was going to design car engines because everybody in my family is engineers. Um, and I was going to carry on the lineage. And Georgia um, Tech is the place to go. Georgia Tech's the, the place to go in the state. And then I had a change of heart after I did my first Shakespeare play in high school. <gasps> I uh, did Shakespeare in high school too! Yeah. Which one so, did you do? Um, okay, so we started out with Midsummer. Which okay. Is pretty normal we d- high we school.
0: S- we started with Twelfth Night. 12th, okay, great. And that's I w- just went and saw it at the Shakespeare Tavern. Oh, nice! So, and it was so good. Yeah. It so it we so actually good. came up in high school the first time I saw something at
1: the Shakespeare Tavern when yeah. I was in high school, we had come up, the whole group of Midsummer mm-hmm. had come up, and actually, uh, we went and saw, um, they were doing Midsummer mm-hmm. went we saw it, and it just, there was something about, um, there was something about Shakespeare that really spoke to me, even as a small town
0: girl. I love Shakespeare. Yeah. I have, so, I have Shakespeare books just over here. Um, I watch Shakespeare plays and sh- movies, like, renditions, religiously. Yeah. Like, I can get on, like, a 6 a.m. flight and watch the whole, like I watched the Hollow Crown series, yes. and was just like, my mom's like, how do you not fall asleep? And I yeah. was like, I'm Exaltive. so into
1: this, yeah, it's I not even it. funny. So, and that's what, you know, when I decided to go to school, so mm-hmm. when I changed my trajectory and went to SCAD, um, which is a Savannah of color art and design, mm-hmm. um, I did my four years, I spent all my four years um, studying classical theater and wow. working for Shakespeare companies across the U.S. Love
0: that. So that's what I did
1: when I kind of first came out of the gate. And then I got to my senior year, and I had no prospects, as all actors find at some yes. point in their life, and I had a full panic. I applied to the Peace Corps, because I okay. had no pro- you know, prospects. And then actually, a theater here in Atlanta asked me to come up for an internship. I oh, was that's awesome. First. Yep. Okay. So I came up, and that's actually what brought me to Atlanta, and my plan was to only be here a year. And here I am, here working on year number eight. Yay!
0: Hey. <laughs> so, uh, clearly, the life city has spoke, spoke to like me, that. right? Yeah, the, clearly, so. the city really spoke to me, and yeah. And then now here you are. You're you do marketing for Dad's Garage. I do. Which I is do an improv theater. It is. It is one yeah. of the coolest improv <laughs> theaters I've ever been to. Yeah,
1: it's um, it's definitely. I remember what, even when I first moved to Atlanta, long before I worked for Actors uh, actor uh, long before I worked for Dad's Garage, and I was mm-hmm. just a wee baby intern before I even got my graduate degree. Yeah. Um, I used to go to Dad's Garage. I was a huge Aww. fan. I always thought they were so cool. Like here are all these hip, cool. People and they've got, they're really funny and they're doing nerdy stuff and they're doing the things I want to do. do. Yeah, exactly. They're doing the things Uh. I want to do. And I was, I was struggling even uh, for the first four years here in Atlanta, just really accepting. Mm -hmm. I had an agent, Mm -hmm. I was doing film and TV, and I was just. Miserable, and so I did a lot of soul hunting to kind of figure out why. And um, I think what it really came down to was this lack of autonomy. I feel like sometimes yeah. the actor has a theater, right? Yeah. I spent all this money, God, all this money, all this time in college to learn how to be a great actor. Mm-hmm. All these skills, all these tools, yep. all of this stuff, and yep. then you get into the real world, and it's really just like, here's your script, stand here, yep. say the lines, wear what we tell you. And I felt like I was just
0: and if you suck, yeah. then we could just fire you They'll and replace fired. you yeah. with this person yeah. right over
1: here. Or, you know, it was so so you didn't, feel,
0: hasn't worked oh, for their right. Work. right, yeah.
1: And so talent, talent actually became this kind of very secondary thing uh-huh. to, to so much of the, the business and the industry. You know, like I'm walking into a film audition and every person in the room looks like you. Yeah. There's like 10 of you. And you're yes. like, Whoa. But, uh, but, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, a com- I'm just part of a business I'm just a commodity. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I actually took a major step back um, from yeah. doing theater for a while. I really got back into the arts. I started, um, I helped start a company here in Atlanta called Cattle Starts Atlanta. It's okay. still making theater for a while. Okay. Um, trying to just do it differently, right? right? It changed the way that we think about the theater process, which regardless yeah. of what theater you look at from, you know, say the biggest ones all the way down to these small community theaters, mm-hmm. it's a cookie cutter process. Yeah. Right. Four weeks of rehearsal four weeks of performances, and everything kind of feels the same, and no matter what we, no matter what you do, you're still keeping yeah. the audience at bay, you're right. asking them to watch, and you're not asking yeah. them to participate, Right. so it's kind of a funny story, my, my Twitch channel started out as a cosplay channel, because I was always a cosplayer, yeah. I went to Dragon Con every year, and uh-huh. so um, that was kind of the trajectory, as I started out there, and then I had some friends here locally, um, who were like, you want to? put a mic in front of us and play some D&D. So we started how
0: you're all like, oh, it's going to be a hobby podcast. That sounds so familiar. Um, the story. Yeah, for.
1: Yep, yeah, precisely. So that's exactly what it was. So it was like, oh, we're just going to be some friends, putting out a mic, and then yep. here we are, North by Northwest, three years later, yeah. almost three years later. February is our anniversary, and so, um, and that's kind of how I got started. And then a friend invited me over to the Encounter Roleplay Network. This was like two oh, and a half years ago. I love year
0: play. I played with them for a hot second, and then Shrek happened, nice. and I had to step away. Yeah, to step away. Yeah. So yeah, so I
1: I. Idea. Oh yeah, I spent um, I spent a couple seasons over there with them like GMing and playing, yeah. and I actually joined their viewer game, which is how I got started. A friend was like, hey, yeah. I'm going to play some D&D, you want to play some D&D with me on this like random Thursday afternoon, and I fell in love. Yes. For the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. I felt like the skills I had as an actor were being yes. used. I felt like, um, something that I love, tabletop gaming, because I've been playing D&D for like f- 13 or 14 yeah. years at this point, um, I all of it just kind of... And yes. it clicked in this way that I could never have imagined. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was making, I was creating yes. again, I was doing it within the realm of what I knew, what I understood. Yes. And at the core of everything I was doing was being a storyteller, which yes. is what I love to That's what yes. I do, I'm a storyteller. So uh, that was really, that's kind of like the trajectory. I started <laughs> yes. out as actor dot, or actor Chelsea, and turned into Twitch dot.
0: Yes, I <laughs> love that. We have, I, I, I totally feel you. Because when you find, especially that one, D and D game that's just near and dear to your soul that you just feel like you're so immersed in. Uh, we play a Star Wars RPG game mm-hmm. here, and it's run by Logan uh, Patrick Logan, oh, who okay, plays yeah. on D four. Mm-hmm. He's our he's our GM, and if you think he's great on D four, he is the craziest and most amazing <laughs> role builder. He has so many sub levels of like side quests to the main quest, and everything is connected, and it's insane. But we will sit here. And I play. I play with a lot of a lot of like intense hardcore Star Wars nerds. Okay, great. You are like way into the lore. Right. We play Kotor era. Okay. So it's a it's a really fun unexplored yep. time time, which I just it makes me just want more Kotor. <laughs> um, but everyone is so even if they're not actors, everyone is so immersed and true to their characters because they love the world so much. That we can sit at the table in our kitchen for seven hours, and we literally feel like we're battling on Mandalore yep. for all the stuff and the things, and then and that's what a great story can do. Yes. yes, and you're you're so and you don't feel like if you have to get up to go get a snack or get a drink or something, you don't feel like you're breaking the immersion mm-hmm. because it's so much is happening. It's so intense and captivating. Yep. And I have to give a lot of props to Logan for that because he has created such a wonderful world for us to play in that it really helps us stay immersed. And I think that, you know, that actually hits on something that I tell people a lot of times, um, especially people that are like, I want to be a
1: GM. What should I know? And I'm like, well, know that this is not your story. Yeah. This is not your story. Yes. It is not you your job. You give the outline. Yeah. yeah. You're a facilitator. Yeah. Your job is to facilitate yeah. joy and immersion through the process for the other people at the table yes. telling the story. Yes. And then when you can find that, like, equal collaboration yes. at the table is when you can just thrive and things really click. Yeah. Um, that's actually happening right now. I'm running a Coriolis campaign over on the Unmade Gaming network. Okay, um, Mike with Unmade Gaming's really good friend, and he came to me and he said, "Hey, I want to run something dark on my channel." I was like, "Well, hey, I've been reading <laughs> okay. this book called Coriolis, yeah. which is like a dark sci-fi. Love uh, the. Uh, it's made by Free League, and the designers call it Arabian Nights in Space. Ooh, doesn't that sell you like?" Instantly. Yes. You're like, I'm sold. Oh I, get, I get the vibe. It's kind of this like low sci fi kind of dark theme. Really? And with all, just it's really rich lore in it. And uh, it's actually one of the first RPG books that I've read. And I was like, I don't need to make up anything. I want everything in my campaign. Everything to come from this book. I need everything. Um, it's just in so well. beautiful. <laughs> um, so. But it's happening. It's, you know, sometimes you have sometimes you just have campaigns. You go yep. you tell a story, it's kinda light and it's airy, but this mm-hmm. the players and myself just together at the table, there's this level of chemistry that's happening where the emotion is so deep. Yes. Um, and it's just
0: hooked us all where at the two hour mark, they're like, but can we keep playing? Yes, you know and but that also because y'all stream that, right? Yes. So that's what that's one of those things that also helps make it captivating for your audience who's watching, is if your players are just like Oh my god, and your storytelling is great, and everyone can Mm -hmm. be immersed. Yes. Even your audience, because they're so focused on you guys being immersed... That's great storytelling. Yeah, it's great storytelling,
1: and it's just you know, and and again, it's like I can't credit myself for that because all I'm doing is laying out a sandbox, just, you're right?
0: One piece of the puzzle, right? I'm
1: a single piece. I'm, I'm the corners mm-hmm. of the puzzle, yes, and they're filling in all the pieces mm-hmm. in the middle, and that, and and when you as a GM can let go of that control, absolutely, and stop, re- and realize that there is just this richness at the table that starts to happen mm-hmm. um and when you can really trust one another at a table it, exactly it, it just really changes everything
0: but that's but that's one of those things is there's so many elements to creating a game like that it's not just having a great right. dm or just having great players because if you have great players but you have a a quote mm-hmm. quote weaker dm mm-hmm. the chemistry is not the same but if you have a great dm but weaker players that just want to hit things right it's it's not the same. So yeah. you have to have all these pieces of the puzzle to help make that magic magic happen. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. I, I, and I could I actually
1: do a monthly uh, stream where I talk about dungeon dungeon master stuff. We mm-hmm. just every we have new questions every week and we talk about the process of DMing and what does it mean to be a DM. And, um, so you can check me out uh, over there <laughs> doing that. So I won't go into my spiel about DMing. But for those of you at home that do want to, you know. Start DMing or want to be a quote-unquote better, mm-hmm. uh, as much as I kind of hate that terminology, uh, better DM. Um, you know, alleviate uh, some of the stress from yourself and realize that it's not yes. all on you uh, Yeah, to make it perfect. It really is um, the table in a fully
0: collaborative mm-hmm. way. And that's one of the beautiful things about tabletop. Be happy when your players want to do something you didn't plan for. Correct.
1: Yeah. And accept like, it wholeheartedly. Logan
0: gets so excited it, when we're like, I want to do this and he's like okay well, go for it. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it when my players take risks because it's not something that I can plan for. Right. Nice and, and you
0: know what? This really just And you, you can t- you really can't try to plan for everything. Right. Um, but they're gonna screw it up. But they don't exactly. screw it up. Exactly, they're gonna find that one thing you yep. didn't plan for, yep. and you have to be okay with just rolling, rolling with punches. punches. Like you have to let
1: go of some of your planning sometime and recognize again, it's yes. not your story. Yes. If you plan too much, what you're trying to do is have them tell your storyline. Yes, um, I call myself a sandbox GM because I'm 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 very much like that where I'm like, here's the world. All these yep. things are happening and going on and my players may never choose to interact with it, but it doesn't change the fact they're going on. It's just right. like
0: any sandbox video. Game, I right? have all these things yep. laid out for you. Yep. And you can choose whichever one you want. Yep.
1: They may spend three episodes in a site, you know, a bazaar on top of a space station somewhere. And I'm like, Well, guess what? The the space cultists over here just finished their ritual. So you guys missed it. Yep. And there's nothing I can, like, I don't, I want that, that level of realism where they recognize that the choices they make do actually have an impact. Absolutely. If you wait to give, if you, if you tailor it to them and you wait because you really want them to do a thing, sometimes it actually loses a level of realism and actual, actualization in how stories are told. It's not better for them to have to deal with the repercussions of something they lose than trying to force them into something they don't want to play. Right. So, So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that. Really goes back to the you collaboration You
0: can be like, "Hey, here's this little tidbit of this thing mm-hmm. that's kind of important." Right, seed it, seed it. <laughs> but you know, if you don't jump on that train, well,
1: we're taking another train. It. Yeah, yep. absolutely. You I, definitely yeah. miss it. Yeah, and you mentioned Dad's Garage earlier. You know, I I am the marketing director now for Dad's, and when I after I took my hiatus from theater, um, I was applying for a lot of other jobs. I was going to go into you know a marketing firm or something to get that like nine to yeah. five day job. Mm-hmm. And this uh, opportunity uh, uh, appeared, and I was really hesitant about going to work back in nonprofit because that was part yeah. of the reason I had just taken a step back. Mm-hmm. I was burned out. And um, this was kind of a dream come true, because here I was again... At a point where I realized that collaborative storytelling is really what I want to do, yeah. and more than what I would say, Theater Dad's Garage is a place for collaborative storytelling. Yes, as an oh improv house, it's that's so what they good. do. And so it was a bit of um, a shell shock. Actually, it was a very long process to get the job, and it was um, I was h- humbled to say the least. Like I remember going in for the in person interview, which was after having like written mm-hmm. you have to do the written portion then might yeah. have a phone interview and then once they had narrowed down then they did oh, wow. interviews. Like it, it took months they're they're hardcore
0: it women. was
1: hardcore yeah it was a very hardcore and so every step I just felt more and more honored to be a part of it and I remember going in for my in-person interview and sitting around the table without most of these people that I did not know I knew a couple but um and we it we just talked. Somebody was like, "Oh, yeah. is that a D twenty tattoo on your wrist?" Oh, I love playing D D. And they were saying these things at the table. I didn't feel it didn't feel like an interview. It felt like sitting with friends. That's good. And I left and sat in my car and I cried to my mother. I remember this in the oh. dad's car. I cried. I was like, Mom, if they don't hire me, I And sobbing about it. She's like, it's gonna be fine, it's gonna be okay. I was like, this has to be the one, this has gotta be it. It so, went so well. It was, yeah, I was like, these people understand me. I don't have to explain the D20 tattoo on my wrist. When I say I'm a Twitch streamer, they were like, that's cool. And right? awesome. Yeah. So I think there's, um, It was, it was about finally uh, finding a place to work that had the internal culture that I was looking for and was creating the kind of stories, not theater, Mm -hmm. because that's just an umbrella term, creating the kind of stories that I wanted to be a part of, that I wanted to be able to market, that I wanted to be able to tell, so.
0: Everything I've seen at Dad's, whether it's improv D&D, which in itself is bold and hysterical and it's. Like oh, it's nothing you've ever experienced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it's funny. I um, tell him I
1: was like, you don't understand how refreshing it is to have a job where I'm doing social media and I can make say a uh, a uh, uh, a joke, a tabletop right. joke, and my audience gets it. Right. It's not even my t- my Twitter, which like yeah. sure for my Twitch channel that's the brand, right? Right. But like. This is somebody else's Facebook, and I can make a Nat 20 joke or a critical success joke, and they get it. Yes. And it's on
0: brand. Yeah. It's totally on brand. It's totally on brand. Totally on brand. Yeah. But, like, you've got Improv d d which is coming back. It is coming back. Uh Actually, next, I
1: don't know when this will release, but that would be, we open February 9th. Okay, and
0: you run. It's all through February, right?
1: Yeah, we'll run for multiple weeks. I think we have like yeah.
0: eight or nine weeks. Uh, okay, Friday, cool. Friday nights. 8 so PM. the wonderful Mark Muir is coming back to DM, yep. which is again an experience. An ex- oh gosh, he's yeah. so yep. good. Yep, yep he's um, amazing, and it's always it's always a pleasure to have him back in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but then the the show that I actually met you at was. Wrath of Con, yes, which is an improv show about Dragon Con. Yeah, it's actually kind of
1: the staple in Dad's history. So Dragon Con was, ri- or Wrath of Con, the first one, C O N for those of you at home. Wrath of Con was written back in 2012 when Dragon Con yeah. was at kind of at its peak here in right. Atlanta. And because of all the nerves that worked at Dad's, I and mean, you have to understand the way Dad's Garage functions, we do scripted shows, but we write all our own. Everything's written internal. We don't take Got somebody it. else's work and, and put it up on a stage like most theaters do. Okay. Everything's written internally by the That's ensemble. Absolutely cool. So a bunch of the ensemble members came together. These people that were always going to Dragon Con, um, loved it. Like I said, at its peak in 2012, and so they wrote a show about the existence and experience of what they called going to the con. Um, and it's it was wonderful. So after massive success oh, and a remount, so um, which we did this past year, they decided to write Wrath of Con two into Dorkness, um, which was like this follow up. Yes. And so the second oh, Wrath of Con. It's so
0: good. Yeah. And
1: it was it was a really great because you know. For those of you that were young when you went to cons, and then we all age and get
0: really, yes. really older,
1: right? Like I was, I was the girl who was always at the two a.m. rave in yep. the front with my cat ears on, like turned the hell up, right? <laughs> okay,
0: yes. And now here I
1: am, thirty, <laughs> and now I'm lucky to make it to eleven <laughs> p.m. because my body aches and I'm tired, and everything's kind of changed so, and shifted, yeah. you know?
0: See, and I'm only. I, I started at Dragon Con in 2016. Okay. That was my first Dragon Con. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I didn't, I I was one of those, I'm like, I want to go to a con. I want to cosplay. Right. I want to But try. then I never really had the the boldness and all that to do it. But then when I met Dustin and he was all like, nerd! Own it! Yeah, own <laughs> and yourself. And I was just like, well... Um, and he was like, my kids cosplay, and everyone cosplays, and I have all these friends that cosplay, and cosplay, and convention. I mean, like you said, that's how I, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. Do you remember your first cosplay? Yes, I did Miss Martian. Oh, that's so, that's great. I I did Rosie the Riveter cosplay. Yeah, I, and it was one of those things, (laughs) Dustin is friends with so many, like, big-time cosplayers. Mm -hmm. Margie Cox. Mm -hmm. Uh, her husband, Ned. Um... Tall Squall. Yeah, Tall. Uh, <laughs> who has the most amazing vision, him. Oh, ever. Seen ever but Tall ever. is also. You want to talk about a great human being? Oh my God, he's Such so a wonderful. Human, yeah. He is so wonderful. I love Tall Squall. Just like pure with all my heart, pure soul. <laughs> yes. Um, but it like Dustin. Dustin is known himself for his Iceman, where he literally uh-huh. covered himself in like ice. And he has like three different versions. It's hardcore. He has wow. it's the best Iceman cosplay I've ever seen, and so I'm like, I can't look shabby <laughs> as my first cosplay next to any of you. <laughs> so um, we we found me a really good Miss Marching costume. Dustin did my makeup for it, so I wasn't just like grease makeup. Right. Free. Yeah. Yeah. I was airbrushed. Yeah. I had a good lace front wig. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that we. That was my first convention with Heroes Con. Oh, Sh- Charlotte. oh, Charlotte. Yeah, so yeah. it was nice and small. The kids went with us. We did a little mini Teen Titans group. Dustin was Beast Boy. But he was Changeling Beast Boy from oh, okay. George, George Perez. George. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, and so he did, he did that. So he was green as well. But then the kids, Wyatt was Robin and Piper was Raven. And Piper totally got into the character. And in all the pictures, she's like, Raven does not smile. And it's like, oh, wow. Wow. like, and the kids were six and seven yeah. at the time. So the fact that his kids are just like in character yeah, constantly and like, she's, she's watching My Hero Academia right now. And oh. she's just like, I want to do Deku and Todoroki and I want to cosplay all these people. Cute. And she goes, I want, I want a color contact in this eye and I want wigs and all the, And I'm like, you're 11. You're my hero. (laughs) Yes. I love it. But (laughs) um, it's been, they, watching their cosplay evolution of, when she did Raven, she didn't want to wear the wig, Mm -hmm. but she wore everything else. Um, But now she is getting into the wigs. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look behind you, there's, I don't know if you do Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. But this, This. that mask right there, she was Mangle for Halloween. Oh my god, that's so cute. And she made that herself. Like, we, it was, it was a werewolf mask from Spirit Halloween that we stripped, and, wow she, like, she painted it, they totally retrofitted it. She even put foam on the inside, yeah. how cute! Yes, and she, she was, she had a cute little skirt, and she had little fuzzy paws and oh everything, but she had the wig and everything, and she was, she was so mangle for cute. Halloween, and now, and they did, they were, they were... Iron Spider and Spider-Gwen at DragonCon this year. Um, they stayed in those masks for two hours because they didn't want to break character. Wow. Like, what?
1: <laughs> right, right? My kids are outdoing me. Yeah. So, <laughs> I love
0: it. I love oh, it. Oh, man. It, it's it's so fun to be part of a nerdy family. Yeah, I guess. For sure. You know, and it's... So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. So, uh, so let's... <laughs> you talked... <to, laughs> we've kind of touched on coffee and things, but... Yeah. And your D&D mug... But yes, yes, My, my, my color changing Batman bag, which has not kind of went back to its beginning form, Oh, best. I didn't
1: know it was color changing. Yeah. I thought it was just so. like, you know, sometimes like when you put stuff in the dishwasher, like the thing rubs off. I now mean, I realize yeah, that it's... happened too. Oh,
0: okay. It, that happened too. But Wait. the other side. <laughs> That's uh, so cool. It the is color changing. The sky turns red and Batman oh. turn, goes from shadowy Batman to regular Batman. Interactive coffee mug. Yes. Um. But we are drinking. I didn't bring the coffee in here with me. Plus, uh, plus one charisma. Plus one to charisma from Smuggler's Coffee. It's very tasty. It's so good. I feel like my charisma is in fact at
1: plus <laughs> one. <laughs> Hopefully, all of you yeah. at home feel the same way. Yes. <laughs>
0: but it's a it's a lighter roast, yep. which um I picked for you because you said you liked the lighter roast. I do like a light
1: roast. Light roast. For all of you at home that don't know, most people feel like a darker roast actually gives more caffeine. That is incorrect. A lighter roast is actually has more caffeine than a darker roast. Love that. Yes. Coffee
0: tidbits. Yeah, well, tidbit, t- tidbits from Dot. Yes. Um, if there's one so, thing that knows, it is coffee. Co- yes. Um, and I love I love having the coffee aspect mm-hmm. um, on the podcast because we get to highlight so many awesome co- mm-hmm. companies yep. that are, uh, that they make coffee and tea, but they're also like nerd based. Yes. Yes. And they feature artists and they they just- it And really, it's tasty. It's so good. Everything I've had so far has been so good. So tasty. Yeah. I haven't found
1: anything I don't like so far. Uh, one of my big co- this is-there's t- no scientific fact behind any of this when it comes to coffee. <laughs> there's not. this is just dot facts. Uh, dot facts say uh, the color of your coffee is really important. Like, I do like um, a little bit of creamer in my mm-hmm. coffee. Same. Um, and one of my favorite things is to pop the creamer in. And when you watch the color of the coffee change, you just know whether or not it's gonna be a good coffee. Yeah! Coffee. And like, when-I love watching the creamer swirl. The creamer around. swirl, and then it, yeah. it, it, like, blends in and. Sometimes it just looks like a very even in a light roast can be a very rich color. Yes, and this one, it's it's it a very that. but it
0: also yes it tastes it's a rich yes. light and even with creamer and a little bit of sugar in it you can still taste the richness mm-hmm. of it. Um, but it's very smooth as well. Yes. Um. So uh, I don't know if we said it, but this is we said it was the plus one to Charisma, mm-hmm. but it's from Smuggler's Coffee. Yeah, from Smuggler's. So go check it out. Yeah. Um, they are awesome. They have some really cool, their artwork on their bags is really cool. Oh, neat. Um, it's, it's really like animated and fun, uh, artwork and very colorful. They have stuff that's D&D. They Mm. have stuff. There's one that's like horror related. Oh, cool. Um, there's, there's a Star Wars one called a Brew Hope. Um, they have. (laughs) I almost spat my coffee. That was very (laughs) funny. So they have a lot of different, like, options, and, uh... Oh, my have... gosh, what a
1: fun little, like, gift for somebody. Just, like, right. a pack of, like, nerd coffee bags. Yes! Oh.
0: Uh, for it's all of you so... at home, if you want to get Dot
1: anything. <laughs> <laughs> get
0: Dot all get of the dot coffee. all the coffee. Yes. So, but no, Smugglers is really, really good. It nice is very fun. tasty. Yeah. And I've heard, like, before they came on as sponsors, I had heard really good things about them as well. So, and they're really nice. They actually... Their big thing, in addition to all of the nerdy stuff, is they barrel-age their coffee. With barrels from breweries. Oh, so you get the barrel aging taste without the alcohol in it. Wow. Isn't that cool? I just got, I got coffee goosebumps. it's <laughs> <That's, so, laughs> amazing. Yeah. Like, every everyone that I've, like, been able to get involved with has a little, some like, mm-hmm. no, no two coffee companies are the same. They right. all have their own special little thing yeah. that I love and I am so excited to highlight. And, um... This this should be the the first smugglers that <laughs> that I've gotten to drink on the podcast. Oh, perfect. So, uh, I thought it was with me because it's very yes. really, good. It's <laughs> so good. And when you were like, uh, I like a light roast, I was like, "Oh, I know I exactly you. what coffee you. I'm <laughs> going to give you. So, and if you like it, you can take it home. Oh. So um, I will give you that. I mean, if you're offering. offering. I, will, <laughs> yes. I will definitely take it home. Yes, you can definitely have it. Um <laughs> other you know, all of you
1: go you can go scour. I'll plan to take
0: a photo with the bag so you can see the yes. artwork. Oh yes, we'll um, need to do that. Yeah, you
1: can go scour, I don't know, probably my Twitter or my Instagram, wherever I feel saucy enough to post it if you well, want to see it with
0: your own eyes. You can post it on yours, I'll post it on mine, I'll yeah, post it on the podcast, Twitter, I'll post it on the Patreon, I'll do it. I'll post it everywhere. It'll be so <laughs> a photo of Dot with Coffee will yes. be everywhere
1: for you to see. Yes. So.
0: this episode is sponsored by Found Familiar. Found Familiar is a company that not only brings you amazing coffee, but believes in supporting creators. They team up with different artists and cosplayers from around the world to bring you specialty grade coffee that celebrates the creativity sparked by Dungeons and & Dragons and other TTRPGs. Found Familiar aims to do more than just provide caffeine for your groggy mornings and late night sessions. They believe in using their platform to recognize the people that share those same passions. People that create stories, create characters, and create art. They showcase fantasy artwork and photos on their coffee, and that's why you will never see those pieces anywhere without credit to the creators. So head over to foundfamiliar.com and use code nerdspresso, N-E-R-N-E-R, D-S-P-R-E-S-S-O for 10% off your coffee order today. This episode is sponsored by Dryad Tea. Dryad Tea was created February 2012 by a tea aficionado who also loves music. The first line of teas was created based on Pandora Celtica's music, characters, and world. Since then, they have created amazing tea blends inspired by music, mythology, literature, and just general geekery. In 2013, they added dryad pottery, and Ruby has been creating amazing works of ceramic art to pair with the blends of dryad tea. You can join their Tea of the Month Club, get a custom tea blend made, or you can shop the Goblin Market for tea infusers, enamel pins, and music. So head over to dryadtea.com and use code NERDSPRESSO, That's N-E-R-D-S-P-R-E-S-S-O for 10% off your order today. So the red hair and uh, the all of the wonderful oh, bat yes. things yes. hanging in my uh, in my room here. Uh, for those who don't know, well, no, they kind of do know because Brianna made a joke about it in her episode. Uh, I'm a huge Batgirl fan. Yes. So I am Babs, um, which ironically sitting here with your fire truck red <laughs> hair and my ginger red hair, it's very fitting. You mentioned Batwoman earlier. Yeah, yeah.
1: so um, I'm I'm just a bat fan, period. Yes. Like the Bat World yes, absolutely. It, it yes, was my Batman.
0: first introduction
1: Batman. to um, to comic books. Yes. When you grow up in a small town there's really nowhere to buy them. And the only place mm-hmm. I could get comic books, there was a small barber shop. My father was in the military, so Every Sunday, when he wasn't at, on the base,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was haircut time. He had to yep. keep it, you know, uh, hair off his ears. Right. So I would go with him to the barbershop because Mr. Larry, the man that ran there, would oh. always give me bubblegum and he had a rack of comic books. <gasps> love uh, that. And he had Batman and X Men. Oh, um, so those were my first like dives in. Right. Yes. But, um, and of course, I became a obsessed with batman and then as mm-hmm. you know you get older you dive deeper you find ways yep. to get your things online i remember uh, okay i'm older so <laughs> there wasn't always an amazon there wasn't She's always not- ways to get things online for those uh for all of you at home uh, you would have to go i remember when ebay first started becoming a thing oh yeah um and this was also about the time that they launched paypal as a means of like Ooh, making that yeah. happen and i remember ordering two things my first two purchases off ebay was a was um well, uh, hero clicks for those of you at home that like hero clicks. I ordered yes. like, a shoebox full of like three hundred hero clicks. Oh my gosh! For like we have a tackle box EA. of
0: just hero. Clix. I, yeah, I, got I have a box full look. of them. <laughs> look, I've got Batgirl and Huntress just oh, right goodness, here. I got the Huntress one. I <laughs> have that one. Yes, yes. Oh, oh yes. But yes. Anything
1: yep. Babs I can find. Yes. So um, uh, it was sure hero clicks, and it was um, Frighten the Lord's Dark Knight. Was, was the next it's one that so I was a great used great copy great. and it just like it just launched me deep <sighs> into the the Bat Love. But yes. right now the Batwoman show, there's like a Batwoman show on the yes. DC, that DC's producing. Right. Um and I'm obsessed. I have to oh, it's so obsessed.
0: good. It's um, so good. Um it's it's very interesting like how they've brought her in and like mm-hmm. the time period in Gotham where they yes. brought her in. Um I mentioned this earlier. I love Rachel. Scarson mm-hmm. uh who was in Birds of Prey. Yes. Like I watched Birds of Prey <laughs> and I bought the DVD and, yes, I'm like, of course. and I'm like this is so 2003 yes. it's not even funny yes, it's but I love so it. Dated. Yeah, yeah. And it Birds of Prey it's one of those it had so much potential. It did. But I don't think it just I don't think it had the right direction.
1: Well, you know, I tell people this all the time. I believe that we're just now getting to a point in our entertainment where we can actually properly make shows about women. Yes. Right? Back in 2003, as much, we just weren't as woke. Like, let's be honest. Yes. We just weren't as woke. And so when you're making a show that is so deeply... The lore is so deeply embedded in being female, exactly. Yeah, not a woman. Um, I mean, if you go back and look at Birds of Prey, how many women actually worked on that show other than the three actresses? Like, was yeah. were this the director woman? Were the writers women? And so it makes a difference. No offense to all of uh, all of you that identify as male. No problem. <laughs> but it's important to have that yep. representation in the people that are writing, creating, and making yes. it. And so I think it's one of the reasons why I really love that woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It just yeah. it needed something. It just yes. wasn't quite. It didn't quite click for Birds yes. of Prey.
0: But, you know, at everything in 2003 was kind of, and, and Birds of Prey, even though it was a comic series, it still fell into this category of, especially all of the female-centric stuff, fell into a very cookie-cutter. Yes. You had, like, what, Dawson's Creek, and you had mm-hmm. all of those type
1: things yeah, back then. Yeah, everything
0: that CW was making at the time. Uh, except for small like Smallville. Smallville. Smallville was way better written.
1: Yes, it was. Smallville was but super it was also... I'm actually it's funny, so I didn't watch Smallville when it was actually on TV. I'm just uh, yeah. now going back of the yeah. CW app mm-hmm. and re- and watching Smallville. And I have to say of all the Luthers like Luthers
0: that are out there, Smallville is right. uh, Michael nice Rosenbaum. So um, Michael nice Rosamond's listening to this. He yeah. he has a podcast. He does. It's one of my it's, favorite it's podcasts one of my favorite too. So and that's cool podcast. honestly he kind of inspired this one. Really? Yes, cuz he he just he's like I yeah, I'm an I actor, really but I just want to like sit down and it's so raw and real, Yes. but it's chill. It's so called inside you. Inside of you. Inside yeah. of you. That's inside what it's of like, you with Michael Rosen. With Michael Rosenbaum. It's so great. I got to meet him at Dragon Con 2 2 years ago and I literally Walked up to him and I was dressed as Batgirl. It's <gasps> <That's laughs> awesome. I, I was just like, it's my dream to be on your podcast one day That's to do amazing. something that will get me we'll on get you your there. podcast. Yeah. So maybe because we're doing Michael, if you're listening to this podcast, you should ask his Yes. Uh, we'll drink plus <laughs> one, to listen, Make sure it's really good. Yes. This. No, but because you know Michael was he was Lex Luthor. Yes. And he was also the voice of the Flash. Yes, he in was. All of the vo- the Bruce Timm mm-hmm. Justice League series and stuff and so i'm kind of like well maybe if we can get him on the podcast because he's a big horror fan too yes he
1: is he actually talked about i don't remember who he was interviewing but he talked about his love of horror in one of his Mm -hmm. episodes um which was very good he just
0: talks about like uh, his connection with horror and why he likes it And and how like how he he has very strong feelings about the horror the horror genre in general. Yes. And he has high standards. He does have high standards. <laughs> well so, we all should let's be There's yeah. some
1: really garbage horror movies out
0: yes. there. But horror is one of those genres that everyone's just like, if I can do anything, I can just Yeah. we can just kill people. Well, yeah, we body. just kill
1: people. We just need some blood, a couple splatters, and a screaming woman, right? That's yes. all that the it takes. And that's you know, it's just not true. No. It's so, just not true.
0: But but before we sat down, Dustin. <laughs> Dustin gave us these water bottles that say the seal, uh, the seal of the city of Gotham, and these are crop like, waters from Black Lightning, because he works on Black Lightning, but this is Black Lightning post-crisis. Yes. So everything's connected now. now so yep. we have Batwoman official, technically water bottles. <laughs> <bars laughs> yep. That'll now be displayed in our so nerd I have to. I, I have
1: to be. I have to be honest, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that I'm terribly behind on the the like CW superhero watching right yes. now. Batwoman is about the only thing I'm caught up on. I got behind on Arrow and Flesh, so I've actually not properly watched. I've watched pieces of the the Crisis um, oh, on Infinite absolutely. Earth, but I haven't watched the whole thing because I feel like I'm just so behind that I'm gonna miss something. I'm okay.
0: So this season. On all of the shows, everyone is literally just gearing up for Crisis, and then Crisis basically stands on its own. Okay, so, so somebody you said that. Okay. You really could just go watch Crisis okay. by itself, and the only thing that will, that is affected is everything afterwards. Got it. I will so, say, I did watch
1: where, okay, spoiler alert, this is spoiler, so if you haven't watched Crisis and you don't want spoilers, this is mute the us for a, a movie, second. <laughs> um, where in Crisis they go to Smallville. And they actually yes. see him oh, and he's, he's wearing, wearing the, the, Yeah, he's wearing the ring. And it's just like that moment where he chose to just be Clark. Just be Clark. Like that's what he wanted. And they were like, But if you don't, your
0: world's gonna die. And he's like, I'm content with that. This is the life like this it was is... such a poignant moment. But but what I love is they actually brought Smallville writers back yes. to write that scene. Correct. So that it was and it felt like an appropriate ending mm-hmm. for his
1: suit. And his I know uh, there were a lot of people that have said a lot of negative things. Like, we really wanted to see him in a suit. We've waited
0: since Tom, Smallville. okay, so... He hates it. Yes. So, Tom Welling has always said that he will never, ever ever ever, 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 ever put on a suit.
1: That was part of his contract when he signed on for Smallville, was that he, he was, refused to fly. Mm-hmm. Which they did, do a, they did one or two
0: flights, and he refused was, to wear a suit. But it was, like, season 10. Season, like, yeah. Way, way deep into it, yeah. And they... The, the scene that you see him in the suit in at mm-hmm. the end of Smallville, that is actually CGI'd on.
1: Correct. He would he is, not wear it. He
0: will not wear it because he's very superstitious about the, the Widgety y <laughs> stuff around Hey, the I mean, Superman it's
1: defi- it's it's something. There's something to it. I mean, think, think about how many horrible Superman things that have been yeah. created and made. Um, yeah. It's funny. I'm actually watching. Um, I also never watched Lois and Clark. Um, I never watched that one. So, I've been going back and actually watching Lois oh and gosh, Clark. Oh, my really? And for, yeah, uh, there are definitely some really cute things. Like, I think this chemistry between Lois and Clark is mm-hmm. definitely the charm of it. But there are just some really difficult things. Like, it's def- it definitely comes from another time. Yes. Um, that, like, she's saving herself for marriage. There's all these very interesting uh, cliches and stereotypes around Lois in the show that I, I can't really get behind. So,
0: so interesting political choices. But it is, but... Okay, let's address that for a second. But does Lois Lane seem like that kind of person that would no, actually actually save be herself? A-
1: well, so in Lois and Clark, she—that's her whole thing. It's like she's saving herself for Superman, and then okay, know, see, that's well, she's saving different. herself for she's saving herself for marriage, and of course, in in Lois and Clark, if you haven't watched it, it it's like. It's, like, almost at the end of the damn show before she finds out that he's actually Superman, and then they finally get married. There are all these oh things gosh. that always get in the way of their marriage. Something comes up. Everybody comes from Krypton, and he has to answer and marry, like, the Kryptonian princess. And, like, don't,
0: don't we love how Superman is the last son of Krypton, but so many Kryptonians show up. So many
1: Kryptonians. In every show. In every show. There's always plenty of them, but he's, like, the. He's got to be the one. So there's just, like, some interesting things, and, you know, like... She at one point, Lois at one point does uh plan to marry Lex. Like they actually get engaged oh. at one point, and she's like, he's of course trying to to push her to marry him, this kind of thing. And that's about the time that Lex in the show goes off and loses his damn mind, and yeah. things uh, you know turn, and yeah. it doesn't become about marrying her anymore. But mm-hmm. it's more obsession than love, and like yeah. So there's a lot of things. Lo- Lois is definitely the damsel in distress type in the show, and she's definitely Which categorized she in this like. A uh, place of of of, yeah, so and which just, is kind of annoying because Lois
0: Lane has always been a very strong female. Yes, and has yeah, she has her like obsession with Superman, right. and she does dumb shit. Yep, to for yep. him to save her, uh-huh. but she has never been a damsel in distress. No. So. Type, type of girl, type of girl, and it does. I mean, she. There, I would say that she, it's funny. Actually, she's a very interesting
1: Lois. She is very strong-willed. She has a lot of opinions. That's what makes her a fantastic journalist. And then she, yeah. Terry
0: Hatcher. It's Terry Hatcher. Yeah. yeah, we
1: love Terry Hatcher, and she's. Okay, let's just talk about how beautiful she is. <laughs> yes. just like a '90s babe, and yes, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it was like going back now and being. The bisexual, very strong woman that I am. <laughs> I watched that show and I'm like, dear lord, there are some political vibes in this that I just not like, just very yeah. um, old school way of thinking, I think.
0: Yeah, it's one of those, like, I grew up watching Home Improvement. Oh god, another one. <laughs> and, yeah, and I went back and rewatched that, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, some of this stuff makes me cringe. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff in it that was very, like... Jill pushes for yeah. a lot yes. of uh, quality stuff, yep. the, and she holds home, yeah. she holds Tim to a standard. standard. Yeah, and she calls him out on the shit. Yep yep totally
1: <laughs> it's it's uh, there are just some like as i'm going back and watching some shows that i really loved yes yeah as, you know, or or missed growing up because yeah, yeah and i grew up in podunk georgia yeah. i remember having a giant satellite dish out back and we got what we could get so right like, we didn't always have access to everything and um at least not until much later in my and life then the so. age of the internet and then the age of the internet happened to everything so, is accessible and you know what now. i was i was telling somebody the other day do you remember the point of time where uh netflix was they would mail you dvds it wasn't yes, always on online. man. It was. I. Yes. Yeah, I we just, were. I but you bad. had to like
0: wait for stuff. They didn't have yeah. everything. They didn't always have everything. Yeah. So you would. Yes. You again, could, you could the line youngsters up. Your, at home. You <laughs> would line up a queue yeah. of movies that you yeah. wanted. They had basically a stock, and if the stock was out, and it, it was, was like you, online blockbuster. Exactly, it was
1: online blockbuster, and they would mail it to you in this little red envelope. These, and then you would mail it back when you were done with it. Yep. Um, I that was that was my college years because um, I yes. remember having to get these uh, these discs in the mail. Um, but <laughs> that's so funny. Um, now everything's like streaming. I want it instant, and every channel has their own stinking app. now right? um, To to that you, you have know, to download and
0: manage. But. Like, Disney Plus is so worth it. so worth it. It's so worth it. Oh, I have a huge... Oh, I have a... I did... Oh. Girl, okay, on the subject of theater, have you watched Encore? No. <gasps> okay, so see. okay. I need you... Okay, that's the one with Kristen Bell. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so what it is, is it makes my little theater heart happy. So, Kristen Bell produces this show. Okay. Where they go back and they find a school that did a musical production. It could be 10 years ago, 20 years ago. They even had a class from like 1975 huh. and they bring them back and they have a week to prep and then they put the production on again. Oh my God. I love that. Yes. And it's so good. And it's, and it just, it shows why theater is, cause some of these people haven't seen each other yep. since high school yep. and they all come back and like all these, they have all these feelings of like, but I like, I'm so sorry that you went through this in high school I'm so sorry if I was Uh, mean like everyone kind of like has because I'm telling you what's the toxic place that is high school lives change. like everybody's different and so everyone comes back and kind of has an opportunity to like remedy things but then they come back and they find that collective love of theater and they're like I don't want this to end like can we keep doing this show and I'm just like my theater heart loves it so much And stories like, change people's lives.
1: Yes, stories. I'm gonna say it again. Stories change people's lives, mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons
0: why I love to do it. And they highlight they highlight a lot of those wonderful older theater shows, like um, Fiddler on the Roof. Yep. They they did do Beauty and the Beast. They did Pippin. Mm. They did um, Anything Goes. Yeah, I was to say, there's gotta be a cult um, in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what was the what was the other one that I just uh, I don't remember. Um, but there's so many. They did, uh, uh, Brockwood High School from Snellville. Oh! So it's like, oh, there's a local one there. And then they did one from Texas that was, like, the town that I lived in. Oh, cool. It wasn't my high school. And I'm like, oh, like, all all over the place. So close to home. That's amazing. But it's, it's so good. And they, but they bring in, like, professional, a professional director and a professional choreographer and a professional Music director, and they're like, "Okay, we have five days to do this. Gear up, people, go!" (laughs) And some of them are like, "Okay, we can't dance. We, yep, I'm an old person now. Yes, a lawyer." (laughs) But the class of 1975 was the one that did anything goes, Mm. and so that was. Oh no, they did the the Godspell episode. Is really good. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Then, no, they did a lot of interesting, really cool shows that really highlight, like what awesome theater is out there. And I'm like, oh, I remember that show. I love that show. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It makes me really sad that I never did a musical in high school because oh. I went to a really small high school. Me too. And yeah, so we didn't do we, a lot of. We just
1: didn't always have the money. And like, I remember, oh my god, so this is this will tell you. We bit. just did one act play. We always did one act, and then we usually had one other, like, play throughout the year. We didn't do that. Um, and then they tried to always mount a musical. The problem was we didn't always have the money. Mm-hmm. And growing up in a very small Baptist, back Georgia yep. town, um, I remember we wanted to do Man of the Mancha*, oh. And they were not having it because
0: she's a whore. Yeah. Like, she is, that's who she is. But it's, but it's also interesting that stuff like that, they can, they'll be like, let's do Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Texas yeah. We love like, that one. It's
1: wholesome. And, it's and like, like,
0: but,
1: what? <laughs> okay, like,
0: what? But okay. yeah, so
1: we had, but I remember uh, they started it and the music director of the local Baptist church, his daughter had auditioned and she was cast in the part. It's Desdemona, right? No, what is her? No, it's not Desdemona. What's her name? Um, oh, no. Oh, I can't remember. Aldonza. Um, Algonza, Algonza oh. the Whore. That's her name. Um, and there's a song mm-hmm. where it's, they sing out the whore," and his daughter got cast, and he rioted. Wow. Like, got the whole church behind oh, it. They Lord. came in, they shut the production down. We ended up having to do. I think what we ended up pulling together was like a, it was a uh, a, a review, a musical review. We wrote gosh. this. We wrote this show where basically a bunch of high schoolers were trying to decide what musical they wanted oh to my do, gosh. and they were backstage, and everybody was pitching their ideas. So we did like songs from all yeah. different musicals, but like that's what we ended up doing that year because. The local Baptist church shut us down because we, yeah. we were too risque with our My, my the,
0: the town where I went to college was—I went to a little community theater or a community college—and ironically, the the town newspaper is called the Weatherford Democrat. But <laughs> okay. it's we like, our, like, I mean, like the this. opposite. <laughs> and we, my first semester of college, we wanted to do company. Oh, okay. And because there was pat smoking Yeah and stuff and stuff. Um uh, they were the the town was like, uh, how about no? And we were like oh, I So remember, we did once upon a mattress instead. Oh, we did hair when I was at
1: SCAD. Oh, I hair. remember we were in Savannah, so yeah. it's still a southern town. Uh but there was um there was a lot of pushback about them getting naked. So they were not allowed to get naked on stage, which is like is it hair if they don't drop trowel? Like, it's really not. Right. Like, at the end, the like, whole point is they free themselves. It's a visual representation of freeing yourself by yes. losing your clothing. Yes. Um, but, you know, here's what you get for being with a bunch of you know, the hoity-toity arts people because they also, all the actors in that show took it far too far. I remember they were like, they stopped showering. Oh, God. For weeks on end, they all uh, stopped showing up to class because, of course, they were taking psychedelics because what better way to be of course than just yes screw your life up. And uh, uh, so it feels on that. So it got to a point where, like, <laughs> (laughs) Audience members were coming in because they were doing it at Lucas in Savannah, which is kind of like their, Savannah's version of the Fox. Okay. It's like a proper theater where they bring acts in and once a year they give it to SCAD to do like a production. Okay. So uh, it was like a big show that we were doing on the Lucas stage. So here you are, you're getting all these old old folk, right? All yeah. these boomers, God bless you all, into Who are retired. The, who are retired down who are like like, Oh, hair's gonna be fun. I remember when I lived through the 70s and they show up and you've got the actors coming up and down the aisles and they smell like dirty hippies because oh, they don't have bathed. So it became this whole thing where like, the public was sending in uh, uh, reviews to the school that was like, you must, you have to make your, these children bathe. Like, you've got to take these kids and tell them that method acting only goes so Fire. Right? <laughs> I, yeah.
0: You said you had thoughts on method acting. Yeah. I have thoughts on method acting. I have acting. so many thoughts on method acting. Uh, like, how Jared Leto was too method for the small role that he had in <laughs> Suicide Squad. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and, yeah, it's well. Too, it was too much. It was far like, too much. Like, you weren't even in that movie that no,
1: much. No, but, you know, you even look at somebody like, well, I think my biggest issue with method acting is it's not safe for anyone. No. Or, you know, and it can be. It can be if you know how to properly wield it as a tool, because yes. that's what it is as an actor. method acting as a tool, right? It's um, not a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It is a tool. It's a tool. And so, unfortunately, like, even I look at somebody like Joaquin Phoenix, who did a fan- fantastic job in the Joker movie. Like, let's yeah. just stop for a second and recognize that that movie impacted me in ways that I could not have expected yeah. sitting down to watch it. Like, it is a... It is an anthem to the issues that we have in mental health in our country, and it was just really impactful. But there were a lot of safety issues with what yeah. kept Phoenix on that movie. If you if you don't know, things like making up fights and not warning actors, right? There like is a fight that is a fight combatant. Do that. You can't do that because it's not safe, but he, it was wrapped up in his method acting. This is what he needed in it. So, like, at what point is it not safe for you and everybody around you? Right. Jared let a mailing dead shit through the mail. Um, yeah. And, you know, making people uncomfortable use condoms and stuff. Like, what? Um, yeah. uh, so there's, there's a point where you just are being extra. And you're yeah. just, it just feels like you're more attention-seeking than actually using it to try to tell the story that's needed to be told. Yes. And I... I Very rarely in the tabletop community have I seen this, um, where somebody really takes their character too far, or we get really, really engrossed in something, and we can't bridge that line between character and us. And it's dangerous. The bleed can be so dangerous. And so you have to learn to take care of yourself, you know? Even Mm -hmm. I I do a Vampire the Masquerade campaign every Saturday. Every Uh, Saturday, four hours of gaming, you know, pre-show, after-show. So it's a five-hour every Saturday come hell or high water. Um, and that's over on the Roll For Network, and I love Vampire the Masquerade. But yeah. let's be real. Uh, uh, it is not for the faint of heart. No. The game, as much as all of you all want to be like, oh, we can, you know, we can be superhero vampires, that's not what the game's about. The book very no. clearly tells you this is a game about losing your humanity. This is a game about becoming a monster. Yeah. And so you as a player walk this line where you're doing and having to do horrible things. Yeah. And you have to have, I have to have, a literal... Like, I do a meditation after my yeah. Saturday games because when you're playing a hound for the prince that's torturing and killing people, yep. she's a gang girl with a humanity four, which means she no longer can understand love. She doesn't care for humans, yep. right? They're just cattle and kind to her. So it's difficult because you pour your love of something into it and you do want to be as honest as possible in a show that has such high-quality role-play. But yeah. in the end, you cannot let that bleed come across to you because it cannot. Bet your life. Yeah. And if you don't believe it, look at how many actors have died from method acting. Heath Ledger. That's the exact one on the top of my head, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger didn't, he, he couldn't sleep, right? Yeah. It wasn't purposeful, um, but we lost somebody amazing, amazing. Because of method acting. So at what point do we feel like method acting goes too far? Yeah. And, 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 and
0: what standard and, do we hold people to? And that that also goes into all of the, like, body transformation yes. issues. Yes. Of, Look at people like Christian Bale. Yes,
1: who who lame. he was eating a piece of fruit a day. Yeah, to do the machinist. Yeah,
0: right. A piece of fruit a day. Is that, that is that the movie that he got super super, think, super I, oh, No, anymore. maybe it's not
1: the machinist. What was that? No, one? what was it? Oh man. Uh, um, oh my god, I'm not gonna be able to remember. Oh.
0: Uh, uh, but there was that one movie that he did that yeah. he
1: yeah it was the he was practically a skeleton. Yeah. He well and... the, he was supposed to be the script call said that uh, described the character as emaciated. Yeah. That was how the script described him, and he took it so far that he was down to eating a single piece of fruit a day, and the producers had to come to him and say, we're going to take this role from you if you don't start eating. Yeah. Like, uh, who were these actors that bulk up in, like, six months with excessive muscles and steroids and stuff? Also, not safe.
0: Yeah, I think it was the machinist. It was the machinist. Okay, yeah. I did
1: call it right. Okay, good. Good, good, good. good. Yeah. Um, that, that's
0: that, in my head. Yeah, because he yeah. works
1: in that, um, he's really thin, and he works in that machine factory. Yeah. Yeah, that's it.
0: That's it. It is a machinist. Yeah. Um, and so. hopefully with this day and age of CGI and stuff, we can relax a mm-hmm. little bit on that kind of stuff. Because, you know, people like Hugh Jackman yeah. and Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and all of that, where you're literally playing a superhero for a living, but you're held to these unrealistic mm-hmm. standards, it takes a toll on you. Yes, it does. Like, it takes a toll on your body to have to yeah. work out that much, especially... and. You know, they've they've said like when they're not filming and even like they dehydrate themselves to be able to look like that on camera. And that's not safe.
1: (sighs) No. And the and the the way, you know, some actors will gain and lose weight. Very yeah. rapidly, too. Mm-hmm. You know, bulk up and gain a bunch of muscle, and then lose a bunch of weight on like a low protein diet. And so, yeah, um, those things take effect on your body. And for all of you at home that don't know, when you do that, it actually begins to wear on the internal aspects of yeah. your body, and you can die sooner. It literally starts taking yep. years off of your life, mm-hmm. just like say smoking or yeah.
0: any other thing that, that is um, a negative effect on the body. Yeah. And so for, like, like I understand why Hugh Jackman probably doesn't want to come back as Wolverine, because he's not a spring chicken anymore. Right. And that man's like, I'm old. Can I play, like, a, a, like a, he, a, a daddy <laughs> character, please? <laughs> right. And when he did The Greatest Showman, he was like, I... Ugh, dancing, man. Yep. And then he went on tour yep. for that. For that. And did his, mm-hmm. his show, and he was like, whew! <laughs> and he, when you look at him, he was, is one of the fittest people you can yep. think of because he's Wolverine. Yeah. But he's aging. Mm-hmm. And he's beautiful. And we, but. but <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So there's no doubt that he's a beautiful older man. Yes. an Australian. Yeah. And, and, ooh. Yeah. But, um. but no, like he, he knows what his body can handle. Yep. And I give him props for being like, you know what? I
1: even look at somebody like, you know, Daniel Craig's another example of somebody that's been pushed far too far. How many times has he been like, I'm not doing another Bond movie? And then they're like, "But please, pretty please, 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 come please. do this Bond movie." But you're I'm so good at but, Bond, and he is—he's—he is so good as Bond. He is—he um, really is. But he's also another one that's like, "At what point am I too old to be playing Bond? My body can't go through this anymore." I mean, even okay. Speaking of Batwoman, let's go back to the fact that Ruby, okay, uh-huh. the actress uh, Ruby Rose, yeah, took a massive spinal injury and almost died. Yeah. Okay. Here's somebody that's young and beautiful and that Dot yeah. has a massive crush on, and she... I mean, let's be real. We all have a crush. Holy cow. The things that I would do just to have her look at me. Um, <laughs> she's just amazing. But, you, you know, know she's... Justin
0: worked on Crisis, right? Oh, god, she's
1: so beautiful. God, she's so beautiful. And just, um... And yeah. she's so good. She's so good. She's, she's just so perfect. Good. She's just perfect. But th- that, you know, she was doing her own stunts. And even as somebody that was young... She she did a stunt, and basically, I, I want to think she like slipped a disc or took a massive spinal injury and basically almost died, like almost yeah. just final nerve damage to her spine, and so she had to have massive spinal surgery, and now she can't do any of her own stunts in yeah. that woman anymore, which, you know, this is why we have stunt people. Yes. Um, and as somebody that looked into stunt work for a long time, that's another dangerous job, you right. know, but you're also trained for it, and there is a point where I think that we have to look at meta meta-acting and say, or this um, method acting and say, when when does it become, when does it become a problem?
0: Yes. So on that subject, let's let's jump over to Tom Cruise. Oh, Who God, does yeah. his own stunts. Yes. But will also crash course his way as hard as he can to do, like, the, the fly a helicopter Cruise, after his yes. last Mission Impossible movie. And all of this fighter pilot stuff he's doing in Top Gun is actually him. Yep. Yep. Because they're... They've released, like, a little mini documentary that they have six little, they're not IMAX cameras, but there's six cameras in the cockpit with Tom Cruise Cruise and all of the pilots, and they all know how to fly. It's not CGI flying. Right. It's not, they are in the cockpit because Tom Cruise was like, you can't fake that kind of pressure that comes from pulling those G's. You can't. And so when you watch the movie... And I'm super excited for. It. I'm a pilot's kid, so yep. I'm super excited for Top Gun. Um, My, uh, I'll tell you a little fun story. Dot story after about okay. Top Gun. Um, but, but who crash course is the way to learn? To fly a fighter I mean, that was
1: like okay that scene was it fourth mission impossible the one where he's on the exterior of the building with the stickies oh yeah yeah he also did that stunt oh, yeah. i guess my nightmare the the
0: outside of what was it the c-130 the c-130 yeah stuck to it. it's just like there are things you know what and i think things that, it, that are just yeah. not worth it yeah now
1: if you as an actor want to put yourself in danger which is really what H. Tom Cruise is doing you know what? I can't stop you. You yeah. you rule your body and your own life. But, but when your but when your method acting begins to put other people in danger, is when it's a problem. And also
0: when you're because you're there working. Yes. M- people have invested millions, millions of dollars, millions of dollars into your movie, and you're risking, you're There's willing to put something. yourself on the outside of an airplane to do your own stunts. Well, yeah. When you are the face of this movie, yeah. and if you die what's gonna happen to this movie yeah well and, and you think about it like it's not even just the money people put into it
1: think about how many people's jobs would be on the yes market. that too yeah how uh, many people's jobs like if something happened to Tom Cruise and god forbid knock on with this is not the case he dies on set or becomes so injured he can't work anymore the movie flops yeah. everything that's been invested and all of those people the movie doesn't get finished. finished it doesn't it finished. just flop it it's doesn't get done, like right? people are out of people jobs out of jobs they lose it everything that's been invested so it is almost a partially selfish
0: want in yeah. Some some way to be like I want like, to learn. to what what are you searching for? for yeah. What to, are you missing in your what, life? Yes. To have to feel like you need
1: to fill this need. Yep. Do you know what's interesting? I'm watching this show right now. It's on uh, Netflix. Gwyneth Paltrow has started a new show.
0: Oh, I think I saw. That. You, did you it, see this?
1: I think it popped up on my Netflix the yes. other day. I and, haven't looked into and it though. Renona Ryder is also doing this. Right? Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. So each of them are a little like here they are. In, deeper into their lives, they both have incredible film and TV Critters. credits, careers, um, and instead of say, you know, pushing yourself to learn to fly a, pi- a, 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 a fighter jet to to to, to fulfill whatever right. empty place there is in your soul, uh, they're doing more healthy things. Like right? so, and writers out there, and she's traveling the world, just kind of like a, a, a travel photo type blog. Uh-huh. But when Paltrow is doing some soul searching, and that's what this show is all about. Um, she's looking for healthier ways to live, and she's um, she's trying psychedelics to open up the mind and the soul and these kinds of things. Um, and it's it's interesting, but at the same time she's not putting other people, other people's jobs and other yeah. people's investments at risk. This right. is her thing. Like if you want to go soul searching, go do it. But don't do it in a way where you affect others. Yeah. Especially in a negative way or could affect others in a yeah. negative way. Yeah. So stay safe out there guys. Yeah stay safe. And <laughs> the next time you're like, oh man, I really love that actor because they're a method actor. Think twice. Uh, yeah. Think twice. Think twice about yeah. how that actor treats their method acting. Do they leave it
0: on set as an on set only thing? Or are they taking it home with them? Because that's where it yes. gets dangerous light. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis? I think yes. he's one of those, he is method, mm-hmm. but he leaves it at, at
1: work. Yeah, at work. It's a, it's a thing that I own when I'm on set, when I'm at work. Yes. Um, it, it shouldn't have to come home and bleed into no. your life. Um, where you have to start taking sleeping pills. Or yeah, you or have, it affects yeah. your family. Or your family. Yeah. yeah. Um, where you are disconnected in some way. Or, God forbid, you have to start taking fighter pilot lessons because you have to fly that plane yourself. Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so speaking of, okay, so I said I'd yes. tell you my Top Gun story. This is really yes. short. So uh, okay. Top Gun is uh, one of those movies that my father and I both love. It was kind of yes. like our bonding movie. Yes. That is something my dad and I bonded over. Yes. He um, always wanted to be a fire pilot, but, um, yeah, he was in the Navy, not not the Air Force. And So mm-hmm. it was always our thing, and we used to, uh, this is when you'd have to buy DVDs because you can't get everything online, mm-hmm. uh, we had our DVD, and it came with, um, other languages Ooh. and so we used to sit in my living room and we would watch top gun in french um or another language and then we would try to do the english oh my gosh like, that sounds like so much fun it was just this funny thing because, because you know the movie so because well. because we know the movie so well <laughs> <laughs> we know the script um and it's also just very funny to watch somebody else like dub over in french yeah something like top gun because it's It just is ridiculous. It takes everything and, like, amps the ridiculousness already of that movie up to, like, 11. So I highly suggest that if you have a Top Gun DVD at home, break it out, blow off the dust, and go watch it in French. Yes.
0: And do that and prep for Top Gun 2. And prep for Top Gun 2. (laughs) Because, like, again, let's be real. I grew up, my dad, my dad's a pilot. My Mm brother is now also a pilot. Um, My dad was in the Air Force. He didn't fly fighter uh, jets. He flew C-5s and stuff like that. But- I grew up going to air shows. Mm -hmm. I grew up, like, my dad had a little Cessna growing up. Uh, Like, aviation runs so strong in my family. Uh, And so I have, there's also a part of me that, there's something beautiful about watching, like, like fighter jets take off. Yes. And there's this whole, like, weird nerdy, like, aspect of it where I was like, do I want to get into aviation photography (laughs) just to be able to capture these really pretty moments that I just connect with? Yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's one reason why I'm so excited for Top Gun 2, because you watch this kind of really cool stuff, and it just gives you chills. It's just like, oh, that's that's so cool. Yeah. So in the the moment in the trailer where they take off, and they're just inches Inches, from that shack and just – Dust. Yep, blows it. And when he threw the two of them, because they're doing the dog uh-huh. fight thing, and he just shoo, right through the middle of them. And they're like, wah! Yeah. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. So cool. They're, they're yeah, we were. My child was all submariners, so we were. We're uh, under. Yeah. We're underwater. <laughs> um, uh, which in and it itself was a whole separate level of terror and horror I couldn't possibly imagine. Right? Like, could like my like I didn't yeah. think I was scared of the ocean, but then when you really start thinking, we really about start it, thinking about it. Yeah, and like. like my dad was a, he was a, a nuclear engineer, so oh, okay. a lot of what he did on subs when we were growing up, he could not talk about. And mm-hmm. Now now that he's out of those contracts mm-hmm. and things like that, he's many 20-plus years retired from the military, yeah. he can talk about it. Uh-huh. And to hear stories of what it's like to be eight months off the coast of, say, Turkey, with a bunch of warheads on the back end of your sub, and it's you and 30 guys, and you're just waiting you can't talk you can't make noise you're just sitting there waiting on somebody to give you an order to potentially shoot off a nuclear warhead like yeah what, what? you know i remember the first time my dad he's, he's a he's a good man and he always wanted me to um he was like i always want you to take care i to take care of yourself so yeah. don't rely on another man right Uh see <laughs> who I am. Uh, and he said, uh, so he always wanted to teach me to change my own tire and right. different kind of things. So so my dad is the same way. He, t- I remember that when I turned sixteen, he took me out. He's like, you need to know how to change your yep. tire. You need to know how to, you know, put a jack under a car. And so we were doing it. And here I go. I'm like, yeah, he shows like, me how to check the right, oil, check the oil, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm pulling my first tire off, and I start going around counterclockwise. He goes, no. I remember my dad's like big hand, like grabbing me. He says, no. He says, um, he's like, you'll never want to do it that way because. He's like, you want to go across, the nuts across yes. from each other. Yeah. he's like, um, think about it like this. He's like, uh, it causes pressure differently. Like, it pulls. If you go around, like, clockwise or counterclockwise, uh, you're actually causing pressure at, like, odd ways. Yeah. Um, so when you go across from each other, and he's like, and I know that mm-hmm. because on a nuclear warhead, if you put the bolts in counterclockwise, it will cause it to explode. You oh, have to God. put the bolts on across from one another to even out pressure or you'll set off a nuclear warhead. And I had that moment of like, now, anytime I'm changing a tire, I'm like, we're going to from each other. <laughs> yeah, don't like, want like, things to explode. But <laughs> think thing that my father had to, to live in, with that level of like constant, like something terrifying. as simple as putting a bolt, uh, you know, on a tire reminds me of a time where you have to put a, where you're bolting the nuclear head onto the actual missile itself. And you have to do bolts across from each other or- you know like uh so so yeah yeah that's military terrifying yeah, it's terrifying some i actually was joking the other day with a friend i want i'm thinking about running a one-shot a tabletop game that is um a survival mission in a submarine oh my gosh could you imagine like just a one shot that's like high stakes yeah um you're in a nuclear like submarine and, like i haven't figured out what system i would want to use for yeah. it but um yeah, it just, just like, sounds
0: like it could be super stressful, but also super fun.
1: Super fun, right? Like yeah. that moment of like, oh cool, this is kind of like U five seven one or like a, another yeah. movie I grew up watching on repeat. Did you next to
0: my did you watch that new movie that just came out underwater? Is it underwater with Kristen Stewart? No. Uh, apparently, it's really good and really? it's very like the the effects of being underwater for so, so long, long. Um, really take a yeah. toll on your. They just yeah. take a toll on your
1: mind and your body. And um, no, and what did I watch last in the night? Water? Right? What's in that water? Yeah, right. Um, oh, uh, I watched that new movie on Netflix called Overlord.
0: Oh, I that's haven't watched that one yet. That's the
1: J.J. Abrams film that's like um, World War II, like Cthulhu,
0: like Lovecraftian oh. horror. Oh! I think, okay, I think we saw that on Netflix and we're like, ooh, we need to watch this. Get, do it. They're all about the Cthulhu and like, the Lovecraftian Yeah, and all, all the Lovecraftian that.
1: horror. And I, I, it definitely is not a proper Lovecraft. Like, there's no real nod to, like, Cthulhu or any of the yeah. Elder Gods, but there is this kind of undertone of horror and what the Nazis were doing to people in terms of experimentation and stuff which is what it's about so I'll tell you it was much more gory than I expected and this is I knew going in this was a war movie but like wow Um, and uh, it's definitely um, it's a hard look at like what, whether it's true or not, that not how Nazis were using people for experimentation I'm like. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I was like, oh, oh, I need something happy. I need a Disney movie.
0: Right. You know, but it was
1: so good. The acting was phenomenal. I thought the film was just superb. Okay,
0: we'll definitely have to check that. Yeah. Out. If you like
1: war movies or historical I
0: films, I love I love period pieces. Great. So much. then this will be right up your alley. Cool. It's Really great. I thought it was just very cool. Well done.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And they'll they'll like it because. It's got all the... Because of the horror. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was it's very cool. And awesome. actually I thought the prosthetics and stuff for the without giving too much away, the the, the creatures is what uh-huh. I'll call them. The the people that were being experimented on were very well
0: done. Cool. Yeah, so they'll definitely awesome. like that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so we've oh man. We, 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 we've we've, we've talked covered about so all much. Kind of we talked about, about Dad's garage. Mm-hmm. We talked um a little bit about your Twitch channel. Yeah. Um you do on other Twitch channels, we mm-hmm. do Roll For It, which is, you said that was your vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the group out of the UK that I work for regularly.
1: Um, most of the time it's VTM. Okay. Uh, we're, I say that. We've been playing a lot of World of Darkness. So we okay. started out with Changeling, okay. and then we, um, uh, actually, it's funny. we played a Changeling campaign where we were mortals, which is by far the scariest oh. thing you're ever going to do in your life, because as a mortal... What do you do? What do you do? You just <laughs> exist and pray that a fae doesn't try to trade you for you know your soul or something. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we moved into BTM, so we had we completed when five first dropped, when V five just came yeah. out. That was what two gen cons ago. Uh, we started mm-hmm. a BTM campaign, played through a first season, which was like thirty or thirty two episodes, okay. and then we started a second uh, season. Uh, now that there's like more content material, cool. and um, of course they've announced that werewolf will be the next. Ooh, uh, they're, awesome! They're, they're going to be releasing werewolf. So cool. actually, a paradox, uh, not paradox. Yes. Paradox, because it's not White Wolf anymore. Paradox has out a survey right now. So for all of you that love the World of Darkness lore mm-hmm. or even don't know a lot about it but want to learn more, it's this really great survey that's just like, talk to us about the content of World of Darkness, right? Because they're they're owning new things. Yep. Um, and they're trying to answer for a lot of the problems that they've okay. brought to the table with um, the World of Darkness series. Yeah. Um, in the past, uh, racism, homophobia, yeah. the yeah. works, right? Um, yep. They want feedback, and they're like, what are you interested in us relaunching? Are you more interested in video games? Are you more interested in tabletop? Where yeah. are these things like? How much time do you spend with these things? And so cool. I took the, the other day, which I thought was really cool of Paradox, like, pause and say, yeah. before we keep releasing things, let's really see what our audience yeah. wants, right? and um, so That's so nice when
0: people who are making stuff for people yes. take people's wants yes. and considerations and yeah, a yeah,
1: yeah they're, they're really thinking about it. So yeah, I play I play a lot of VT. Excuse me, a lot of ETM with Roll for it. Um, I'm a regular cast member um on the Unmade Gaming Network. Um, that's another one. And then the rest of the time, I I don't really consider my channel a network proper. And um, uh-huh. that's what I tell a lot of people. I said I'm not I'm not in it to compete with. Role for it right. or even are, I'm not trying to compete with say geek and sundry and these right. networks that are producing well, a lot of stuff. I'm just a person right. and I want to tell the stories I want to tell
0: and I want to do it. And that's what people. it should be about because there's, especially in this, this community and like film and just everywhere. Honestly, there's this level of competitiveness that other people put on you mm-hmm. that they're like, but But this person is doing this. Right. So if you want to compete with them and actually have something successful, you should, like, yeah, this is how you're going to make the thing. And it's like, that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. How about, like, let people do what makes them happy Mm -hmm. and let them leave their own mark Mm -hmm. on and tell the stories that they want to tell. Like, nothing has, there's no cookie cutter Way to Way do it, to do yeah. it. Like, and it's kind if, of a beautiful
1: thing about it. You know? Like
0: not all not all streaming d games have to be Critical Role. Correct. Like they shouldn't be. They shouldn't. You be. can't compete. Okay, that's over I, Yeah.
1: Well, I tell people you, you can't compete with Critical Role. Stop trying to compete with Critical Role. If you if you are trying, you're doing. They're what it, in the entertainment industry. They're known as an anomaly. Yes. Okay. Critical Role is an anomaly, and if you're attempting to hold yourself to that standard, you're going
0: to drive yourself crazy. crazy. You're going to drive yourself crazy. So, enjoy Critical Role yes, for what it for is. for what it is. And then use your platform to create something new that you that's love. yours. That maybe has some of those aspects, mm-hmm. but also you pull aspects from other things. Correct. There's nothing wrong with pulling from different sources and all mm-hmm. of that and saying, these people inspire me. Yep. These people inspire me. Yep. yep. These people inspire me. And that's kind of what I did with this podcast. Yeah. Like, we talked about Michael Rosenbaum's podcast. Yep, and I was like, I love how just chill he keeps it. It's yep. he he just talks to people. Yeah, and, and they he, talk about life stuff. They talk about oh, like, mental, mental health. Mental health. They talk yeah, about work. They talk about all this other stuff. I really encourage you to go check out his podcast because oh, it's amazing. So good, so good. Um, but I also listened to Anna Faris's Unqualified. Mm, yeah, which is also kind of a more low key. Mm-hmm. In, quote quote interview and so like there's different things I'm like I just I just want to talk to people about how cool their lives are uh, yeah that was <laughs> like yeah
1: yeah like, and see for me I tell people I was like my channel is like not a network my discord's called the dot lot which yep, is all the where all the dots dogs hang out Um, but the really my channel is a way for me to tell the stories and play the games I'm interested yes. in so let's be real like I got within the first year and a half of tween, uh, streaming on Twitch, mm-hmm. whether I was on somebody else or on my. I was I played so much D and D. Yeah. And I love Dungeons and Dragons. It's where I mm-hmm. started. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since three point five. When that yeah. picked up, Advanced D and D, just to like say I did it. Yeah. Played some four, and then five launched. And I played D. I played D and D. It was the only tabletop I played for years, and then I started branching out, and yeah. I realized that. Why there are other tabletop games because different systems, different stories, different settings don't always fit within 5e yep. or within 3.5. Like, uh-huh. it's okay. And so I started playing, and now, really, the dot lot and my Twitch channel has become a place where I playtest and I give love to games That's outside of Dungeons & Dragons. amazing. Because there's so much out there. So much. So much. Like, right now, I remember um, at Gen Con this past year, I Mm -hmm. went up to Renegade Games, which Renegade usually produces board games. That's what Mm -hmm. they're pretty famous for. But they've started producing some tabletop games, and they wanted any this year for Kids on Bikes. Oh, Kids on Bikes. Family-friendly game. Yes, Um, And so I went by to actually just... Say how much I love the game to yeah. up a copy, and I got to talking to the marketing person. She's like, "Oh, I know you here. Take home." She handed me—I mean—a bag. I was dragging this bag of books out, and oh so gosh. when I got back from Gen Con, I started reviewing them all, and I decided I'm playing Renegade games from now from June. Everything on my channel is Renegade. We're playing. Uh, Teams in space. Um, I'm coming up on uh, the North Sea Epilogues, which is going to be an all-female Gosh. Vikings game. Yes. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Right, a lot of fun. They've got this really beautiful um, kind of psychedelic fantasy game called Overlight, uh, which I'm going to be uh, playing through. They've got Outbreak Undead. If you want, like, a proper zombie okay. survival tabletop. Like, all right. Wowzer. Um, yeah. So they've got, like, all of these products right now. And I was just like, you know, I didn't know half of these existed. You just gave me free books. Yeah. I want to try all, all of these. Them. I want to try all of these. So I really use so my channel as a place for testing. Yeah. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a Sunday series. I mean, I do my once a month community games, which are right. Sunday Funday. Yeah. I drink mimosas from a
0: jug. <gasps>
1: I love, love like. That. I have a moonshine jug <laughs> that I mix mimosas in, and I get really drunk. Oh my god! I love mimosas. mimosas
0: so much. They're my um, favorite alcoholic drink. <laughs> uh, me too.
1: So they, you just, we. I kind of drink mimosas. People um, sign up. It's open community gaming. We just play oh some games once a month. But I had. Um, I've been getting a lot of requests for people to either they want to pitch their ideas or they want me to review their games and get okay. some feedback, which was really interesting. And I said, well. I have some resources now. Yeah. I have a very supportive Patreon community, most of okay. which are from the dot lot. And I, uh, for the first time this past year, started paying my players. So anybody that. that is on my show gets paid. Amazing. It's not always a lot, um, but it's something but that it's I'm, a passionate, awesome thing. I'm passionate yeah. about. Um, and actually, in the end, some people choose not to take the funds. I let them choose where they go. Do you want to give it oh, back over to Extra Life? Do you want to give it to another player? Yeah. Uh, do you want it to go back into the dot lot? So they actually fill out a form and tell me That's where so they cool. want the funds to go. But I said, you know, I've got some resources, and there are a lot of people that don't have their own Twitch channels, aren't finding opportunities, so I'm launching an incubation series. Ooh. Um, so I provide you with four weeks and four players. Cool. And you pitch your idea, I select a couple, and then basically run Sundays. And it's That's a really cool. I do the overlays, I do your tech. This is not anything you as a gene wow. have to worry about, so I manage all of that, and then you just get a chance to... To try
0: DMing or really uh, hone your skills. I love creatives supporting creators. It has to happen. I love it. Because nobody else is going to support us. No. And that's what this community is about is like let's just all geek out over the stuff we love Mm -hmm. and support each other. It's not hard. We're not in a competition to see. There is no who the best GM is. Mm -hmm. There is no who has the best d &D game. Just do what you love Mm -hmm. and enjoy it. And share it with your friends yep. and support people. Yeah. Support can, them. Because the thing is, is
1: like when you support them, when you help them realize a dream, they're going to yeah. do the same thing for you. Yeah, and that's really absolutely. what happened when I started, when I, because st- I was on a lot of other people's channels. Yeah. And then I pulled back and I said, well, I could. I could launch some fun stories that I want to right. see on my channel. And when I started pitching those ideas, there were so many supportive people from the community that helped me, that yeah. gave me a couple minutes of their time to ask a question or said, let me actually be yeah. on your very first Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that in and itself was the support that I needed to recognize when this was my community. Yep. And two, that this was something that now I can also do that yeah. like, give and take of how the creative world and functions. It,
0: Honestly, when you when you help other people achieve what they want yep. to, there's a really great feeling that goes with that of being able to be like I have reached a point where I can help others yes, do the same thing, and that's exactly what there's happens. There's nothing wrong with that, yep. and it's
1: it more people need to do it. Yeah, yeah. it's just... And and like I said, it was something that I now am in a place to do. Um, You know, I even started... I tell people, they're always like, you always run these short campaigns. And I'm like, yeah, because nobody has the time to run a 48-session campaign. Yeah. Um, I do five to six weeks on average there are many yep. campaigns but it's just enough to get the flavor the taste yep. to keep an audience hooked because mm-hmm. let's be real if everybody's going over on Thursday Night Source Critical Role yep. and they got what 400 episodes or some crazy number like that yep. they're not going to have time to watch me produce 400 episodes so right. let's keep the story short sweet
0: easy yeah. to digest let's right. let's make it something and if that they connect want with. to go back then there's not this huge background of stuff and you feel overwhelmed I'm never going to get through this I
1: get messages all the time that's like thank you so much actually for yeah. keeping short because i've listened to x y and z show in a weekend yeah and you're like great I've awesome. up. yep you know yeah. it's, it's so simple so um sometimes i run longer campaigns like Overlight. the psychedelic fantasy yeah. is going they call it um a kaleidoscopic world everything's based okay. on color and light Ooh. all magic's based on something called chroma that's cool uh, literally it's one of the if if you shop for tabletops like in person you know you just sometimes you pick up a book and you're like Wow! Yeah, wow! Like jaw drop! Like you just like, flipping through it. And you're like, I have to read all of this cover to cover. I have to know what's in it, and I just want to be in this world. Uh-huh. Um, and that the first time I read it, over, like I was like, <laughs> it's so bright, yeah, so colors, and like the way they talk about like it's heavily And as an artist, artist your as an artist, yeah. My heart was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the you know the very front page talks about the influence of like seventy psychedelic art, Ooh, uh, which all okay. of you, it, for all of you that don't know me, is like my complete vibe. Uh, here I am, and like. Every yes. color imaginable yes this podcast. So like I was just I was just really connected to it. Really, That's really connected awesome. to it. So um yeah, you know, don't don't let anybody tell you you can't. And don't be discouraged when say you start out, and I tell you this all the time, and you go look at a couple of viewers, or it doesn't
0: land the way you want it to.
1: Trust me, i it's had some not super
0: fun It's not about the viewers. It's not, it's not,
1: it's not. It's if you want to tell a story, just tell it. Just tell it. Just go tell it. And, question, and really question, like, is Twitch the place I need to do it? If, and and I, I ask people that, too, when they're like, oh, I think I'm going to launch a Twitch channel. My first question is why?
0: Mm-hmm. Why
1: do you want to launch a Twitch channel? Yeah. The reason I launched my Twitch channel is, one, because it allowed me to have access to a lot of other people. Yes. Um, I wasn't just playing with local people anymore. Right. I have people all over the world that I yeah. play with. Yeah. And the other reason is because I thrive with an audience. I yeah. I actually thrive you're, off the idiots of a, a live, right? I'm a theater kid. You're, you're a theater kid. I'm a theater kid. There's something magical about a live audience. There is. Um, at least for me and the way yeah. that I work. It I just really inspires me. It drives me. That's not the case for everyone. And, you know, you have to realize that if you're not going to be a critical role, you're probably never going to make your full, like, all the money in the world off of this thing. And more importantly, if you just want to play... Who says you need to have a camera? You don't have to do it live. There are access to things like Roll Twenty, online meetups, and Reddit where you can meet people and still play your games uh, the way and tell the stories that you want without having to stream it live. So you know, Twitch is not the be all end all. Yeah, it's really not. Um, And even as I've uh, done do more and more Twitch streaming, I also have learned to begin scheduling myself for more and more off camera time to play games, and that's That's really refreshing too. Like I now have a home game that. There are no mics. Yep. There are no cameras. We right. just play. We just play. We just play. And even you know, I have a Patreon tier that's like I run a game for you and your friends in private. We use Discord. It's just yep. voice. We don't we don't stream it to anybody. It's it's ours to own, and there is that's something cool. about that. So you know, I actually have learned that I need a little mix of both. I yeah. can't rely on just one and the other. So yeah, it's been um it's been a heck of a journey over three years. But for the first time, only
0: three years. I've been doing oh it. Oh my three gosh. Years. Yeah,
1: I've been doing it three years. So it's um it's kind of crazy. Um, and and a bit humbling actually to have so many people um, just talk about what it means to watch a show that I've been a part of uh, or to say that the Dot Lodge just as a community itself and a Discord has been a helpful place for them like a welcoming place which is really all I Oh, I wanted to create something
0: and helping and helping create something bigger than yourself. Yeah,
1: life. bigger than myself It's just, it, you know, like I said, it's just a really humbling experience. So for mm-hmm. those of you that consider yourself part of the dot lot, know that I appreciate everything <laughs> you'll ever know. And for those of you that have never heard of me or don't have any clue what I'm talking about, know
0: <laughs> that you're welcome. Come join the dot lot. Come join the dot lot. <laughs> Where can we find you in the dot lot? Good
1: question. You can <laughs> find me all over the internet as Little Red Dot. Um, uh, Twitter. Twitter. Co- Co- is it Kofi or coffee? Uh, I call it Kofi, but what do I? What? Do? I do. What do I know? know. I, do, I do have a Ko-Fi. Um, there's a Patreon. You can find me at um, Twitter and Instagram are usually the best. Um, know that my Instagram's a little funky because <laughs> I have to have two T's at the end of dot only because um, I didn't realize this till afterwards. Little red dot is actually a slang term a slang term for Shanghai Oh. So Shanghai, the city, actually has ownership or rights to a lot of the, like, Little oh. Red Dot stuff. And it, like, Interesting. Yeah, it, I know. I did, these are things right. I didn't know uh, before <laughs> I took that name on. But just know my Instagram has two Ts. But, yeah, you can find me there on um, the North by Northwest podcast. I'm a regular, obviously, on. help helped start that year locally. And uh, you can find me every Saturday on the Roll Fort Network and every Thursday on the Unmade Gaming Network. And your own Twitch channel. And in my own Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv backslash
0: little underscore red underscore dot. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Thank and being you. On my this is like the perfect Sunday brunch chat. Yes. Oh, I wish we also had mimosas in addition to our coffee. I know. I didn't think about we'll that. Let's go find some. Let's <laughs> let's go find some right now. So we're gonna sign off and we're gonna go hunt down mimosas. <laughs> it's Sunday at noon. Noon. And in Georgia, mimo- which now we
1: can drink. So yes, which is a So thing.
0: it's mimosa time. We're gonna sign off and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.